the score is irrelevant. All I've got to do is score the next point. I don't care if I'm winning by 10, losing by 10, the score doesn't matter, the process matters. This gets back to focus on the process, not the outcome. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I'm bringing you a solo episode. We're talking about the incomplete truth behind success and failure and achieving your potential. There's so many gaps, critical gaps, that are missing from the message about how to create success. And I'm going to give you some of those sort of partial truths that we hear a lot of times and help you fill in those gaps. And we're going to wrap this up with a very crystallized framework for you. Now, this is not the Reveal Your Path framework, which you may have heard me talk about before. This is a subset framework that you're going to be able to hypothetically put in your back pocket and use and create this framework in your life so you can you know, achieve the potential that you want. So you can insulate yourself from the negative effects of failure and leverage the benefits of failure so that you can get from here to there. Wherever that there is for you. You know, we think about people like JK Rowling, who was turned down 12 times when she was trying to publish original Harry Potter book. Like, would you keep trying? If you, you know, were turned down, you know, three times from people who are smart, they're good at what they do, they know more than you about the publishing industry, and they tell you that you're not good enough, you know, after a few times, you kind of go, okay, well, maybe, maybe they got a point here. But 12 times. 12 times she was turned down. Abraham Lincoln was told by the voters seven times that you're not good enough to be our leader. You know, we all know Michael Jordan's story of getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, right? So what I'm sharing with you today does not stop you from failing. As a matter of fact, it will increase your failure rate. And just like Tom Watson, the founder of IBM said, if you want to double your success rate, double your failure rate. And that's what we're going to be working on today. And like I said, I'm going to give you a framework here. But first, if you want to hear your name on this podcast, one of the upcoming episodes, make sure you leave a rating and review like this one. It was from somebody named the internet name. The screen name here is easily distracted 102. I don't know who you are, but if you put your real name, I will mention you on the episode. But he or she said, very inspiring and great hands-on tools to visualize what you want. Man, thank you for bringing that up easily. Distracted 102. I mean, visualization is such a critical part of success. Uh, also, by the way, while you're at it, take a screenshot of the podcast episode you're listening to right now. Post it on Instagram. Post it on your story. I'll share it over to my story. And who knows, this could be your big break. All right. Well, like I said, I don't hear anyone sharing with you the complete information that you need to create success. You always hear things like, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, or post your goals on your mirror so you see them every day. You know, read these certain books or have a good attitude. And all that stuff is good advice. It's just incomplete. They're not telling you the whole story. There's so much more to this that I want to share with you to fill in these missing gaps, gaps that you don't even realize they're there. It's like, getting those, those few bits of information that I just shared. It's like getting a, a hamburger with one of those really thin patties with no bun, no cheese, you know, no condiments. You know, I'm going to give you the real burger, like the whole thing. The one that's going to 
fill you up for the journey ahead. It's going to have like the pineapple and like the jalapenos. And that's probably sounds gross to a lot of people, but I like love it. I put it all on there. That's how I eat my burgers, like everything on it. My kids always say to me, like when I'm eating it, like, how can you get your mouth around that thing? Dad, like squish it down. And it's like juice and food is running down like my forearms and falling onto my plate. It's like a salad on my plate with all the leftover droppings. I need like a, a spoon to eat it up when I'm off the plate when I'm done. Anyway, I'm making myself hungry by talking about all that. And I'm in the middle of my intermittent fasting morning. So anybody else do intermittent fasting? I love it, man. It makes me feel like I'm on rocket fuel. All right. So I'm going to give you the full story today. Right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you three different scenarios where this framework that I'm going to reveal to you at the end was present in my life. And I want you to see if you can pick out the consistencies through these three different scenarios. And at the end, I'm going to put a bow on it. I'm going to give you the exact four-point framework that you can use to implement this stuff into your own life. All right, so first, when I was wrestling at University of Virginia, I remember sitting around after practice, which is something you do a lot of times after practice, especially a hard practice. You just kind of hang out in the wrestling room. You kick your shoes off and you're sitting there, you're cooling down, you're hanging out. Maybe you're stretching out a little bit and you're chatting with your teammates. Well, this one day, everybody had pretty much left the room. Actually, everybody did leave. It was completely empty except for myself and a guy named Mike Kraftchik. And Mike was an All-American at Virginia. He was a great wrestler, a great guy, very successful today. Just a guy who I've always looked up to. He was our assistant coach at the time. And I asked him, I'm like, Mike, like, what am I missing? Like, what am I not doing? Like, what's going on here? You know, what did you do to get onto the podium, to be one of the best in the country at what you do? And I always thought that I was a hard worker. I knew I was a hard worker, as a matter of fact. But he set the bar higher when he pulled back the curtain on how he got there. I didn't realize all of the extra work that he was doing. He was coming in early, he was staying late, he was getting these extra workouts in that I didn't even realize. I'm like showing up at my college practices thinking like these are really, really hard. These are the hardest workouts I've ever done. I'm really learning high level technique. We have a great strength and conditioning coach. When I go to the weight room, I'm getting stronger. Like this is good enough, right? Well, no, guess what? That's table stakes. That's just what everybody does. And so I had this mentor, this guy who set the bar high for me. He pulled back the curtain and revealed what it really takes to be successful. Um, there was another guy, his name's John McGovern. He's actually the head wrestling coach at Dubuque University, Division Three school in Iowa currently. And John was our assistant coach, actually the year after Crafty, Mike Kravchik. And I remember my first interaction with John. He introduced, it was actually in the weight room at the team lift, coach introduced him. Hey, this is our new assistant coach. We just hired him. And we went on to, you know, start our lift and we had a plan, you know, sort of a, a lift that was kind of pre-planned for us from our strength coach. And I was doing low rows. I was sitting there, the low row machine, you know, we're sitting down, you've got the bar in front of you and you're pulling it up to your midsection. And I did my set. It was like, I think we we're supposed to do 10 reps. And I did my 10 reps at the exact weight that the strength coach told me. And I dropped the bar and I got up so my partner could go. And John said, Jim, sit down. And he pulled the pin out and he dropped it down like three or four plates. And he said, now do another set. I got like you know, a few reps in. I couldn't finish. He goes, don't worry about your technique at this point. Just freaking finish. Just get after it and get hungry and, and freaking do the thing. Like finish it. Finish your reps. And I did. I got to I maybe nine reps. I maybe even didn't get to 10. But the last few were ugly. But man, those last few, that's, that's where I really made my gains. Like 
When you look back at the hardest things you've done, it's at the end. It's not the beginning of practice where you make the gains. It's not the beginning of the reps where you make the gains. It's at the end when you're tired. And so I had these two guys in my life. Those are just two small stories, and there were so many more. But what else was in my life when I was wrestling? It helped me go from not even getting on the podium at the high school state championships, not even getting on the freaking podium, to becoming a Division I All-American, being on the podium at the NCAA Division I National Championships in front of 15,000 people. What helped me get from here to there? So these guys were part of it. Also, you know, when you look back, if you could go back and, and look into my bedroom, you would see posters on the wall of a guy named Alexander Karelin. He was a, the, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. He's a Russian and won a bunch of Olympic gold medals and just people feared him. I had other people on my wall, other posters of people who I looked up to, Olympic gold medalists and champions. I had a journal, a training log right in the top right-hand corner of my desk. I had my goals posted where I could see them. What else was in my life at that point? I remember sitting one time in, in what we called the wrestling house. It was this pretty ugly little place. Actually, it wasn't ugly until we moved in there. We made it ugly. We just did not have cleanliness that, you know, the house would have had had my mom been within arm's reach. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's just a bunch of dudes living there. I, I remember this this one night in particular, just sitting down, five, six guys packed into a, a three-person couch, just watching the world championships, watching film of the world championships and watching these guys compete at such a high level and breaking down film like as a group. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we watched on TV. There's also an image I have of me in that same house I lived in the basement room and our basement would flood in this house. It was terrible. Like it would flood and there'd be like worms on the carpet on the floor. It was disgusting. I mean, it was like, no wonder we, we didn't really take care of it. It was not a great house, but, but that's where we lived. And it was like right across the street from the practice room. But anyway, I, I remember that particular year uh, listening to this mindset audio. I had this mindset audio that a friend of mine had made for me, a family friend had made for me. And I would listen, I'd put my earbuds in and I would listen to it with my Walkman. You remember Walkmans? It was a cassette tape, right? And I would listen to that at night, right? So this is the kind of you know, media that was pouring into, into my mind. What else was in my life? I, I remember when I was probably about 12 years old, it was a Sunday morning. My dad was sitting at the kitchen table linoleum floor, you know, sitting in the, in the wooden chair, kind of at the end of the table where dad always sat. And he had the newspaper open. It was the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And he was reading the paper, reading the wrestling section. And there was an interview with a guy named Gus D'Agostino. Gus D'Agostino is a legendary wrestling, high school wrestling coach at North Allegheny High School in the Pittsburgh area. And one of the quotes in that article was Coach D'Agostino saying that 80% of matches are won by the guy who gets the first takedown. And he was talking about how important it was to get the first takedown. And so for me, I always took that to heart. Like, yeah, you've got to get the first takedown. But I also took the opposite to heart. And I started thinking like, oh my gosh, when I get taken down first, I'm pretty much guaranteed to lose. That was my translation of that. I had to unlearn that actually. That was great advice, but at the same time, it hindered me because whenever I got taken down, I had this negative self-talk. So I had to change that self-talk to saying, like, if I got taken down, I don't care about the score. Like, the score doesn't matter. All I've got to do is get the next point. All I've got to do is keep attacking. I had to, like, really challenge and change my language. I also had, an, had another mantra that I would use. that It was, I am strong. I am confident. I attack first. Those are the words. I had to forcefully, you know, say those words out loud. 
and change the default language. All right. So those are some scenarios that help me go from where I was to where I wanted to be as a wrestler. All right. Now, how about when I was coaching? This is a, sort of the second scenario. I'm going to give you three. When I was coaching at Slippery Rock University, I was the head wrestling coach there. There had a wrestler who he was a backup or starter had gotten hurt at practice midweek. And I called him up and I said, hey, listen, we, we need you to wrestle this weekend. So, you know, you got to make weight and, and wrestle. And I didn't know, but he was way overweight and he really struggled to get down to weight, but he made weight, wrestled that weekend for us. And Monday morning, I get called into my athletic director's office. It was like getting called to the principal's office. So the athletic director calls me, so Jim, I, I need you to come by. So there's this, like in the gym at Slippery Rock, basically there's a basketball floor is in the middle and there's like this concourse that goes the whole way around. And you can see directly across the gym from the wrestling office into the athletic director's office, but you had to walk the whole way around. It's like this long walk. And it was like the longest walk because I just could tell by from the tone of his voice that I was in trouble for something. But I walked in the room into his office and he said, Jim, close the door. I said, oh, close the door. He said, um, Dave's dad called me yesterday on Sunday. And he said that you made Dave make weight and you actually locked him in the boiler room for him to make weight. You locked him in the boiler room. And my jaw hit the floor and I started saying like, but what are you talking about? I know I didn't, I didn't do anything. And he smiled, which caught me off guard. I'm like, why is he smiling? Why is my athletic director smiling at me? He goes, Jim, 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 it's okay. You'd be in trouble if we actually did have a boiler room. We don't have a boiler room, right? There's no such thing. We don't, we don't have a boiler room. We don't have a sauna. We didn't have any of that stuff. And so it was just BS that came out of this kid's mouth. And, you know, I probably felt bad and he probably had to give an excuse to his dad and that kind of thing. And, and it, you know, maybe some things were lost in translation from the kid to the dad, from the dad to the athletic director. And so I walked back, you know, after this, this meeting, which kind of shook me. And I walked back over to my office, which is just down the hall from the women's soccer office. And Noreen Hurley is uh, the women's soccer coach. She was uh, just down the hall from me. And I walked into Noreen and I said, oh, you won't believe what just happened. And I told her the whole story. And she said, Jim, get used to it. You will pour yourself into these kids. And some of them, not most of them, but some of them, every once in a while, they'll stab you in the back. Like bad things will happen. Even though you love these kids and you pour into these kids and you give them everything you have, those kind of things are going to happen. And she talked me off the ledge. I was so thankful to have her in my life. She talked me off of the ledge, right? She was a mentor for me. She was somebody who's been there, done that. I was this young coach. I was the youngest Division I head wrestling coach in the country at the time. So I was just woefully unprepared for something like that. But she was in my life and it was so, so helpful. Quick interruption. If you like what you're hearing here and you want to learn how you can implement this into your life, just go to jimharshajr.com slash apply to see how you can get a free one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. That's jimharshajr.com slash apply. Now back to the show. What else was I doing when I was coaching? I was, I was reading books on coaching. I listened to audio programs on success and successful coaching. As a matter of fact, if you go back and listen to episode 137, Jeff Jansen, he's written several really, really good coaching books about how to pick team captains and how to lead on your team and all, all these really, really great coaching books. I had Jeff Jansen on the podcast back in episode 137, but I was reading books like his. 
Um, again, I had my goals posted where I could see them. I had a, a really well-organized office with my recruiting information easily accessible. I used a Palm Pilot. This is like back before smartphones, you know, but I, I had a Palm Pilot so I could easily access all of my recruiting information was right there. Um, I, could, I would keep my notes on the desktop app and then I would sync it to my Palm Pilot and it was, it was all just organized, right? I also had like healthy snacks in my office, right? I had these things around me that just made my life easier, helped me operate at a more effective, efficient level. Also, I was a coach, so my language was almost by default positive, right? I was using the right language. All right, so that's the second scenario. I'm gonna give you a third one. See if you can start identifying the trends here. And I'm gonna put a bow on this for you so you can understand what framework I'm talking about and then use this in your life. And the third one is this. When I was an entrepreneur, I actually started, you know, my first endeavors into being an entrepreneur. There was a woman named Nora Gillespie. She was the director of the Charlottesville Small Business Development Center. And she planted this seed in my mind. She said to me one time, she said, Jim, have you ever thought about being a motivational speaker? At that point, I had just sold my window cleaning company and, you know, I was kind of starting another business and this was like just kind of just a seed that was planted in my mind. I'm like, nah, that sounds ridiculous. Like who, me? Be a motivational speaker? Like, nah, that, that doesn't really sound like something that I, I could do or I'm qualified to do. Well, now I'm actually doing it, of course. So uh, this was this seed that was planted in my mind by somebody like, I've said this quote before, but we all need someone in our lives who holds us to a higher standard than we believe that we can attain. And Nora was that person for me. I remember not just Nora, but she introduced me to Dylan Franks. And Dylan was my first paid coach. And Dylan was great, still is great. He's still doing coaching. And he was, a, he was an asset for me, especially in those, those early times, my early entrepreneurial days. I hope they're listening right now. They're probably not. I need to let them know that I'm, I'm giving them a shout out on this episode. But I had the Small Business Development Center. I had Nora. I had Dylan. I had the Chamber of Commerce and, and others in my life. What else did I have in my life? I remember in my, when I had my window cleaning business, when I first started out, I was actually the guy out there on the ladder. I started out, it was just me. And I quickly, uh, maybe about a month into it, I hired my first employee and grew beyond that. And we ended up having 10 employees and I was just kind of running it from my home office. But in the beginning, I was the guy on the ladder with the squeegee in my hand, kind of learning the business from the ground up. And I remember I had this little MP3 player. It was tiny. It was probably, you know, 20% the size of a regular iPhone these days, but you had to like download, this is the early days of podcasts. You had to actually download the podcast on here. But I remember downloading podcast episodes of the duct tape marketing podcast with John Jantz. And guess what? You knew it was coming. I've actually had John on the podcast way back in episode 69 this guy was one of the original, original podcasters. He's podcast is, it's amazing. It's called the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. It's all about small business. He has amazing guests and it's just a really, really good, it's still on my top podcast list that I listen to today. But John was pouring into me, right? This is the kind of stuff that I was listening to in addition to just reading books. I also had a very well-organized office and I was leveraging technology so that I hired a virtual assistant. She was in St. Louis. I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. She was running the business. I got to the point where I systemized things, outsourced things. She was taking customer calls. She was processing invoices. I was just the face of the business and I was kind of running the strategy, like doing the marketing. And I was you know, meeting with customers, doing the quotes, that kind of thing. But it was very organized and dialed in in that way. My truck became my office. 
in some sense. So I had to be very organized in my truck because I spent a lot of time driving around. I'd visit guys on the job. I would visit customers and that kind of thing. And, you know, I'd drive to, you know, visit Nora and Dylan, my coaches, right? So I had to be very organized in that sense as well. Okay. So now let me break this down for, for you now. Let me share with you the common themes here. I'm going to give you an acronym that you can use to remember the different themes that I gave you in here, right? So this is all part of, and you may have heard me say this term before, what I call and have defined as the environment of excellence, right? The environment of excellence. There are four critical pieces to the environment of excellence, right? Like I said, I'm expanding upon the ideas of you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, or you got to post your goals on the mirror, or you just got to read these certain books, or you got to have a good attitude. Like, no, it's bigger than that. Okay, let's just start with the first one. Um, and I'm going to give you the acronym here in a second. But the first one that I want to debunk is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, guess what? I spend most of my time with my wife and two daughters. Okay. So three females, the average age is, I don't know, like somewhere like a teenager and then two teenage boys. So if I am the average of the people I spend the most time with, I'm like uh, a teenage girl, <laughs> right? So that is such a partial truth, that statement. It's great. It's important to think about it that way, but you have to also understand that there are things beyond this, right? That you can control it. You know, I'm always going to spend the most time with my family other than anybody else. So here is the acronym, M-A-P-S, MAPS. Just like you need a map to get from point A to point B, you have to have your maps in place to get from where you're at to where you want to go. All right, so we're going to break this down, M-A-P-S. M stands for media. I talked about the, the media that I was allowing into my life. When I was a wrestler, uh, the media was watching film. I didn't, I didn't watch a whole lot of television, right? If I did, I was watching film of my opponents, breaking down film on myself or my opponents, watching the world championships or the national championships. When I was coaching, you know, I listened to coaching programs on audiobook, or like audio programs. I, of course, read the books. You know, as an entrepreneur, I've always done this, but I've listened to podcasts, right? I, I started listening to podcasts years ago before anybody even knew what a podcast was. And there were only a handful of podcasters out there. I was on my ladder, you know, with a squeegee in hand, little blue MP3 player, pouring this stuff into my life, right? M stands for media. Do you have the right media in your life? And listen, you know, some of the social media stuff out there is just terrible. It's not any good for you. But guess what? There's a lot of social media that is great for you. Follow the right people. Make sure you're engaged with the right communities online, right? That's part of media. But what are you reading? What are you listening to? What is the media that you're allowing into your life? You have to control that. Anytime I found success in my life, I had intentional media in my life that were supporting me and my goals. Right? M is for media. A is for area, like the physical space around you. I talked about when I was competing, I had you know posters of my heroes on the wall, right? You have to optimize that physical space. When I was coaching and as an entrepreneur, I was organized, right? I had you know systems and frameworks for things. I had you know back before you could put everything on Dropbox and Google Drive. Man, my filing cabinet was really organized, right? Whenever the Palm Pilots came around in the in smartphones, I started using those to be really organized. So A is for area, like the physical space around you. Is it organized? Do you have healthy food? food around you, right? Do you have healthy food uh, as opposed to like, you know, grabbing a bag of chips because I'm hungry? No, put a banana, put an apple on your desk, 
So when you get hungry, you have that right there. You don't have a choice. Like that's the easy choice. That's the convenient food. This is about optimizing your area, your physical space around you. Are your goals posted where you can see them? P is the next one. P is for people. I mean, that was probably an easy theme to pick out through these three different stories. But I talked about Mike Krafchick and John McGovern. I talked about Noreen Hurley, women's soccer coach just down the hall who talked me off the ledge. I talked about Nora Gillespie and Dylan Franks. And there's a million people I should be mentioning on this episode. I'm just going to stop there because I'm going to guarantee to leave a lot of people out. But people like who are the people around you? Like, do you actually have the people around you who are supporting you? Like when I was competing, I had coaches, I had, you know, trainers, athletic trainers, I had strength and conditioning coaches, I had nutritionists, sports psychologists, you know, academic advisors. I mean, all this is like around you. Like you just have this, it's built in when you're an athlete, when you're a division one athlete, you have this stuff around you. That's just there by default. You can obviously see that at the professional level, even at a, at a higher degree. Like, what about now? Like, do you have the right people surrounding you? Have you built your team? Back in episode 283, I actually go in depth about building your team, really specific on the people part of the environment of excellence. Like, who do you have to have on your team now? It might be a financial advisor, your doctor, counselor, therapist, coach, whatever it might be. Like, there are these different things that I talk about in that episode. Of course, you can just grab the action plan. Go to jimharshojr.com slash action. And back in episode 283, you'll find the details on that. And by the way, again, if you do download any action plan, immediately I send you a link. I email you a link, bookmark that link, you know, star that email because that link is the only thing you ever have to do to access each and every action plan from here until forever. Okay. Every week we post the new action plans. They're in a PDF format. There's a, I mean, gosh, hundreds, hundreds of action plans in there right now. It's amazing. You know, Tim Ferriss, Ken Blanchard, you name it, all these amazing people I've interviewed over the years, tons of action plans in there. But back to people, like you have to really intentionally control this part of your environment, who you're surrounding yourself with. Sometimes you might have to pay money. I did, you know, years ago, and I still do now to be around the right people. And for me, I'll go beyond just people. For me, it's God too, right? That's part of the media as well, right? What I listen to, you can listen to the Bible on the Bible app. You can read the Bible, but people like God, I can't be, you know, physically around him in the earthly sense, but this is part of my environment of excellence as well. And then I'll say this last one, okay? M-A-P-S, media area, people. The last one is speech. You heard me talking about the language that I use. Like I had to change my mindset when I understood that you know, 80% of guys who get the first takedown win the match. That was a end up being a negative for me understanding that. I got to under, I had to change my language to say, I don't care about the score. Even if I do get taken out, even if I do get the takedown and score first, it doesn't matter. The score is irrelevant. All I've got to do is score the next point. I don't care if I'm winning by 10, losing by 10. The score doesn't matter. The process matters. This gets back to focus on the process, not the outcome. So I talked about language throughout here, right? When I was coaching, uh, even when I was an entrepreneur, using the right language and the right mantras and going back to even visualization is a key part of this, but actually saying the right things. You know, I, I used to, to hate running and then I started changing my language. Like, I don't hate running. I'm starting to get better at running. I'm starting to enjoy running. And I've since, you know, run a half marathon and a marathon and I run pretty consistently now. You've got to be aware of the language that you're using. I'm, I, you know, not just externally, but internally. And a lot of times it's not language that you're using internally. It's just 
this inside feeling, right? People talk about the story that you tell yourself or the words that you use to yourself. And it's really not even words a lot of times. It's just a feeling. You just feel this stuff inside of you. Well, you've got to override that with language, mantras, saying positive things, saying things that you're grateful for, right? Saying your gratitudes out loud. All right. So now you have it. That's the environment of excellence. That's the framework for the environment of excellence. Media, area, people, speech. This all might sound great to you right now. If you hit stop on this episode and then go on to checking your email inbox or going back to life, this is not going to do you any good. Make sure you get the action plan, print it out, take notes on it, be intentional about your environment of excellence. That is an absolute requirement if you want to succeed, if you want to be more resilient in failure, if you want to minimize the negative effects of failure, maximize the positive effects of failure and the learning and move forward confidently despite failure, sometimes because of failure, you have to have your environment of excellence dialed in. Take action. Good luck. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.